You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley and with me is Gavin Phillips. How are you doing, Gavin? I'm doing really well, Christian. You know, I was just thinking, uh, April, April has just whizzed by, hasn't it? <laughs> it's whizzed by. And do you know what? I've also found it to be quite a cold April. Oh, certainly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not big. We've not had any heating uh, for around two and a half weeks at this point. Um, because wow. something on our heating system is broken. And we were oh, sort of going... Ah, it, it's warm enough just about until about a week ago where we were like, oh dear, it's got quite cold again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it has it has gone quickly, hasn't it? Yeah, it's so, whizzed by. But that's because yeah. of all the incredible stuff going on in tech, obviously. Well, what else could it be? And <laughs> so we are here to discuss some of the incredible things that have taken place in tech recently. Uh, but uh, on a more accessible sort of... Um, level uh, the 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 man in the streets level of talking basically uh yeah, we we communicate these things in in a manner that uh, hopefully uh, our parents will understand and if uh, our certainly if my parents can understand it anyone can understand it uh so we've got uh, tech news that matters to you we've got tips and tricks which help you make better use out of your tech and then we've got recommendations that are i would say generally speaking tech related occasionally they're not uh this week's is uh, from me certainly is an example of one of those ones that is not tech related uh but we'll uh, kick off with the uh, latest news and it's um we should have a jingle for this it just goes moss watch um <laughs> but we don't uh elon musk uh we'll start with he's threatening to sue microsoft over twitter data he tweeted concerning uh the use of data from twitter by microsoft and he states which is quite an allegation, actually, really. They trained illegally using Twitter data, lawsuit time. Uh, this is after Microsoft dropped Twitter from its advertising platform as they refused to pay the new inflated API fees. Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's always something to talk about with Elon Musk these days, isn't it? He's like Absolutely. the Donald Trump of Twitter. Oh, yeah. I mean, painfully so in many ways. Uh, it's very tit for tat, isn't it? The... the the, the Microsoft responding and saying, well, we don't want to pay uh, $42,000 per month to access your API, so we're simply not going to. And uh, Elon Musk saying effectively, well, that's not fair. Um, but Microsoft are very much within their rights to do what they want with their platform, which I'm sure Elon Musk has said about his own platform more than once or twice regarding other goings-on on Twitter. So as long as it's... Um, you know, everybody knows what's really going on. I'm sure yeah. it'll be okay. I can't see it working out, like him taking them to court over them saying, well, we don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> well, no, I guess not. But then I suppose it depends how they've used data and what data they've used in some ways. But then again, it's all been accessible, open to anyone with paying that subscription. So it is, it is difficult, I suppose. I mean, yeah. It's not like Microsoft aren't any stranger to this sort of going on, are they? No, exactly. I mean, they basically wrote the rule book on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but 
if everybody else has had access to the data for however long and, it, and he's also not paying up for the new API access, is he going to start a chain of court cases where he takes every single person that now says we're not going to pay, you know, however much it is to access your, your API now that you've changed the rules? Uh, so where is, does it stop with Microsoft or is it Microsoft and other tech companies, smaller tech companies, you know, like where, where does it start? Where does it end? Or maybe he could be generous and pay for them as he has been with certain former blue tick owners. You probably know if you've been listening to the show or if you've, uh, uh, you just uh, clued into what's going on with Twitter is that the, the old style verified verification blue tick uh, program has been retired and replaced with I didn't realise the difference in prices for this. It, they call it the $8 a month. In the UK it's £9.60 uh, to me it should be something like £6.60 if it's $8 a month but whatever. 13 uh, Australian dollars as well um, is the fee to um, have longer tweets, have a blue tick and um, I don't know be get a personal massage from Elon Musk or something like that, I'm not sure. Uh, the um, But the point is, they're not all paying. Stephen King, William the Shat Shatner, and basketball LeBron James have retained their ticks. Elon Musk says, I'm paying for a few personally. Now, you might say, oh, well, that's not nice, isn't it? I personally would say, hold on a minute. Names without verified ticks include Beyonce, Ronaldo, Kim Kardashian... Sir Paul McCartney, <laughs> J.K. Rowling, and uh, Donald Trump. Why is Sir Paul McCartney's tick not there? And he's not really paying for them, is he? He's just giving them the blue tick. He's not paying, you know. The idea that Elon Musk's got a direct debit of, uh, you know, $24 a month for Stephen King, William Shatner, and LeBron James is just ridiculous. Well, it goes further than that now, doesn't it? <clears throat> so... On top of the random accounts that he has decided that he wants to give them back to, Stephen King specifically, because there was that tit for tat um, when he first announced these plans. So he's gone, well, I better give Stephen King one because we've already talked about it. But then, so after they all disappeared, not long after, a lot of um, accounts belonging to dead celebrities have now had their blue ticks also given back to them, which is interesting. So Kobe Bryant, Michael Jackson, Chadwick Boseman, uh, and just a whole bunch of other dead celebrities have had their tick returned to them. Uh, Musk hasn't really said much about it, but it's the same sort of thing. Like, oh, hang on a minute. Now that those people literally can't do anything about people impersonating them, like taking their verification, uh, verif verified status away from them is obviously going to lead to a bunch of problems like it's just oh layer upon layer of poor planning from elon musk as the whole thing of going back and forth on what the blue tick means uh how to get a blue tick who has a blue tick uh and, and the power now that the blue tick has as well creates this sort of weird uh multi level operation which existed before but at least before it felt like it had some level of authenticity to it you know people could apply to it and you'd be rejected if you didn't meet certain criteria whereas now it's like elon musk's criteria which is not anything that anybody can actually go on it could change at a whim uh, you know 
And anybody now who has a blue tick gets all of their tweets automatically bumped way up the ranking algorithm, don't they? So Oh, do they? Anybody... Yeah, so if you have a blue tick now and you pay for your subscription, your tweets are automatically pushed towards the top of any uh, like tweet chain or whatever. So right. if you were responding to something underneath it and you had a blue tick, yours would be near the top. The I problem see. with that is, because a lot of people are now saying, we won't play for Twitter Blue, a lot of people from uh, more insidious type accounts, shall we say, are obviously seizing upon that to go, ha, Normal people don't want to pay for this, but this is great for us because we can get our awful content displayed right underneath a really prominent tweet. So, yeah. and for all of the things that Elon Musk has said about making it, you know, uh, the town, making the town square, the digital town square have better free speech, this is not how to go about it in any way. And he's actively going against what he thinks, well, what I think most people would consider free speech to be by de-platforming people that you may want to hear from and letting people shout awful stuff at the top of their voice. But if that's free speech, according to him, it's not really something I think most people want to be involved in. So it's essentially um, a, re a textbook example of how not to do that. Mm. Yeah, 100%, you know. And, it's, and, and the thing is, it's exactly how everybody said it would happen. You know, yeah, people yeah. are... All of the people that love Musk were like, yeah, he's going to... You know, he's going to re revolutionize Twitter and he's going to make it better for everyone. And he's going to make everybody's voices more able to be to be heard. But that's not really the case. He's making a very small subsection of Twitter be able to be heard. And for a lot of people, those were the accounts, no matter your take on many things. A lot of those accounts were not wanting to be heard for a really good reason. Well, you know, as you've mentioned that... Um... Elon Musk trying to uh, do something different with something. Uh, Truth GPT is a alternative to Chat GPT that Elon Musk claims to be working on, which has uh, generated a lot of interest. Uh, he says it will be a maximum truth-seeking AI that understands the nature of the universe. Don't think anyone understands that, but okay. And would be unlikely to destroy humanity. Because, I mean, that's good to know. Um, it would be unlikely to, de to destroy humanity because it sees humans as a critical component of the universe. Um, oh, dear. I, I, uh, I'm, How do you I'm unpack wondering that? I'm wondering if... I, I said <laughs> Musk actually missed his calling and should actually be, you know, sat in front of a typewriter with a literary agent. You know, uh, you, you made the sort of... Uh, comparison with musk and trump there and, and that line of truth gpt will be a maximum truth seeking ai and that's like straight out of the mouth of trump isn't it ah oh, it's incredible the whole idea that elon musk could make something that was completely uh, unbiased a is one is laughable and b um in his idea he becomes the sole arbiter of truth on his truth gpt um ai if he if he ever gets around to making it and that was one of the things so last week or the week before elon musk released that letter didn't he uh with many people saying we shouldn't have any more ai any more powerful than gpt4 um because it's dangerous and then a week later we get the announcement that I'm actually working on another AI and it's like, oh, so did you want it because it wasn't dangerous or was it because 
you're already two steps behind in your AI development. So you'd like everyone just to slow up a little so you can catch up. It's almost impossible to speak about Elon Musk without laughing, isn't it, basically, these days? So uh, let's move on to something a little bit more serious. Mulvad VPN has announced that it was subject to a search warrant on the April the 18th. They announced this on the 20th of April, a few days ago. Uh, at least six police officers from the National Operations Department, NOA, of the Swedish police visited the Mulvad VPN office in Gothenburg with a search warrant intending to seize computers with customer data. Um, in line with our policy, such customer data did not exist, they say. We argued they had no reason to expect to find what they were looking for, and any seizures would therefore be illegal under Swedish law. Interesting that um, Swedish police don't know how VPNs work in 2023, isn't it? Yeah, and they're also not au fait with Swedish law. law. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of the course with the police these days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess... I guess if they're not um, completely up to scratch with how this particular VPN operates, Mulvad have uh, a very, very strong reputation for protecting user data. Uh, we've included them on lists on makeusertof.com before as one of the best uh, best VPNs you can use. Um, mm -hmm. Perhaps it is just that they literally didn't understand that there would be nothing there for them to find. I like the idea of them just turning up and it's more or less an empty room. <laughs> it's just a piece of paper that says it's, it's not here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it doesn't exist um, oh, yeah. a little a little box labelled internet with a red button on the top yeah <laughs> excellent <laughs> The 14 best free PC games to play in 2023. That's free PC games. And there's 14 of them that Gavin, Gavin here, considers to be the best. What's going on? I How know. many? You, there's 14 of them. Would you believe that? No. <laughs> Too many. Uh, you know what, though? I'll tell you what, Christian. If you click through to this article, there's not just 14, because I've actually included... A load of genre alternatives for each of these games. So if You've you don't like the one I suggest, even. exactly. There's actually more than fifty. Whoa! Good lord! <laughs> but we won't go through all of those because that would take a considerable amount of time. That's a different but, show. Um, that is a whole different show. That's a whole show. <laughs> uh, but so the fourteen best free PC games of 2023. I'll run through them in uh, in quick order. So one, Fortnite. Uh, two, uh, Dwarf. Fortress Classic. Uh, it's the classic version now because they just released uh, a new version on Steam with uh, better support and what have you, but you can still play Dwarf Fortress Classic for free, which uh, you should go and do. Path of Exile, which is like a, a Diablo dungeon crawling type game. Uh, Magic the Gathering Arena, which is the digital version of the, the classic card game Magic the Gathering. Uh, Destiny 2, which is the um, online first-person shooter out of space, uh, flying around doing all sorts of stuff. That's great fun. Uh, the absolute classic of StarCraft 2. That doesn't really need any introduction. Uh, Dota 2, uh, Defense of the Ancients 2. That's a MOBA, which has uh, a fearsome reputation for its uh, fan base, who are, are not uh, particularly kind. Um, <laughs> but if you can get into it, you can get into it. Planetside 2, uh, another FPS. It's got one of the biggest uh, gamescapes you can play in. Thousands of 
of people all battling together at the same time. It's quite incredible. Uh, track Mania is really good fun. Uh, crazy, crazy race tracks. Uh, you can build your own tracks, race against people all across the world. Um, 10, we're at 10 now, by the way. Uh, Warframe. Uh, and that's uh, another FPS, extensive open world areas, big storyline, lots of different things you can do in that. Uh, number 11, bit of a niche one, EverQuest, the original EverQuest, which is now completely free to play. Uh, 500 zones, 110 levels to get your character through. Um, it's all free to play now. There's been 25 content expansions. It's all free to play. It's quite wow. phenomenal. Uh, there's lots of bits you can buy within the game, obviously. That's how it keeps going, but uh, it, it is still worth a look. Um, my personal favourite uh, in Open TTD, that's the open source version of Transport Tycoon Deluxe, which is a fantastic game. Uh, 13, Brawlhalla, which is like um, a free version of Super Smash Bros. It's not quite the same, like you won't recognize the characters and what have you, but it's the same sort of platformed 2D battling system, which is really good fun. And number 14, rounding the list up, we have Rocket League, uh, which is just an incredible game. It's the world's best rocket-powered battle car soccer game. Um, if you have never played it, give it a go because it's incredibly fun. It's incredibly addictive. Um, and yeah, it's now free to play. It used to be $20. It's now free to play. So it's worth a good look. Interestingly, that's the only... I'm, I've played Transport Tycoon Deluxe, but I've never played Open TCD. So Rocket League is the only game on that list that I have played. I've played a couple oh. of your, uh, a couple of your uh, genre alternatives, but uh, of the 14, that is the only game that I've played. Yeah, it's interesting. So this, I've I've played all of these, uh, and I've played most of the genre alternative as well. Um, and it's interesting in that I have so many paid games on my Steam thing and across Epic and uh, and GOG and all these things, but I somehow just end up coming back and playing lots of the free games. Oh, <laughs> which is I don't know why I spent all the money on the other games. <laughs> but some of them have gone from being from being paid titles to free games. So for instance, Destiny 2 when it launched in oh, I want to say 2016, uh it was a paid title. I think it was 30 or 40 quid at release, maybe $50. Uh but it went free to play in 2019 because they they couldn't sustain uh, the player base basically so they went free to play to try and get more people involved so i've not played that one for quite a while at this point um despite having you know hundreds of hours in it up until it sort of went free to play so okay uh gavin how do you play your games do you use a do you use a game controller or do you use a keyboard and mouse Oh, well, depending on the game, but uh, I do tend to use a keyboard quite a lot. Um, do you use a you standard gonna... keyboard or a mechanical keyboard? Oh, I tend to use a mechanical keyboard. Good lord, how do they work? They're... Oh, they're so much better than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so the traditional keyboard, which we would normally refer to as a membrane keyboard, has like a, a membrane that features rubber domes you push the key uh, and a small rubber switch connects the circuit through the membrane and types the letter that's basically yeah. how it works uh, a mechanical keyboard instead has a full mechanical switch which inside the switch there's a an actual spring that when you push it down the spring compresses um, and that's what connects the circuit to register the keystroke so the biggest difference that you get between the two is the really is the feel of the typing 
and the sound of the typing. So for most people who have used a normal keyboard will be able to relate to the sort of uh, soft, mushy feeling that a membrane, a regular keyboard has. So there's no resistance at all when you type. The keys just sort of sink into the keyboard or on your laptop, for instance, um, and it doesn't feel like you're really pressing much. There's mm. no way of registering how hard you should press or if your key has even registered its keystroke until you see it on the screen or what have you. The difference with a mechanical keyboard is that there are different levels or different types of switches. So you could get a switch uh, known as a, a clicky switch. So every time you push the keys down, it makes an audible click, which is great if you live alone. Uh, it's absolutely horrendous <laughs> if you take a keyboard like that into an office. Or if, like me, you live in a house that has uh, pretty pretty thin walls. <laughs> Um, but the, the biggest difference really is, is, is the feeling of the typing. So when you type on a mechanical keyboard, you get the resistance between the keys, which enables you to move between the keys faster, I find. Okay. So do you use a mechanical keyboard? No, I don't know if I've ever used a mechanical, would I have used a mechanical keyboard? I mean, I suppose sure my mum used to have an electric, one. my mum used to have an electric typewriter. So I'm, I'm assuming that would have been a mechanical keyboard. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, that's yeah. basically part of why people like the uh, the clicky sound. Actually, is because it brings yeah. back sort of a memory of that. You know, the proper chonk 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 yeah. sound. The um, thing I remember but, most about that was it had this sort of not a glitter ball, but it reminded me of a glitter ball. The thing that all the characters were on was like this little ball, and it had everything on it: all uppercase, lowercase, all the numbers, and all the symbols. And that was, you know, yeah. that would then hit hit the ink strip and. Uh, that's how you tied it. I can remember the, the noise sawed off, but uh, I'm not sure what else we had would have had a mechanical keyboard over membrane. I know old computers that I've owned, the Commodore 64 and the VIC-20, they had a membrane keyboard because I remember swapping them over. Yeah. I think some of the like the early uh, like IBM, you know, the big grey or beige keyboards, they were all mechanical. So you right you probably encountered them because most people have encountered them and used them from time to time, especially if you worked in offices, um, I guess through like nineties or what yeah. have you, when we yeah. still had, you know, big chunky keyboards and they would all be mechanical still. It was only until, you know, sort of the end of the nineties, people really started switching to membrane because they were a lot quieter, uh, which makes sense in office environments, especially where you don't want to be, you know, disturbing everyone with your thunderous typing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So is, is there any kind of, is there any productivity advantage to a mechanical keyboard? I, I guess it comes down to how you feel about it. For me, uh, definitely, I would certainly say there is. I, you can type faster. You're meant to be able to type with greater accuracy. Right. Um, the, um, the physicality of the keyboard is also meant to... You know, make just make it easier overall. Does it just um, make you feel like you're Ernest Hemingway? Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, it's recommendations time. As as I mentioned earlier, mine isn't particularly techy, but it's just such good fun. I have to recommend it. 
So shall I go first or are you going first? Yeah, you can go first. Yeah, go okay, okay. So uh, what happened is my wife bought me a game a few months ago from this is in uh, the beautiful North Yorkshire town of Harrogate, uh, which is it's a town. It's bigger than the nearest city, which is Ripon. Uh, in the UK, um, you probably don't know this. In the UK, we have cities, some of which are about the size of a village, but they're classified as cities. Why, Gavin? Oh, I don't know. Well, why? Because they've got a because, cathedral. Because they've got a cathedral. <laughs> so Ripon, Ripon is tiny, okay? I, I live, the town I live in is bigger than Ripon, but Ripon is a city because it has a cathedral. So um, Harrogate is nearby Ripon. Uh, there's basically three big towns, Harrogate, Ripon and Nairsborough. They're a little bit uh, west of York. And there's a brilliant sort of board games, card games shop in Harrogate. Um, my wife bought me this game, Monty Python Flux. So it's a Flux card game, of which there are many um, variants. There's a Gotham City, Batman Flux. There's a Firefly Flux. Mm. There's a... Um, there's a really there's good uh, Cthulhu one, I think. Um, sounds really interesting. Um, I think I know what you just said, and I think I've just seen it. Um, and there's, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's also this Monty Python Flux. Now, the, the whole basis of flux is that the rules change um throw in some knights of the round table um because this is very much a uh, not monty python's flying circus flux but monty python's uh and monty python the holy grail flux um this is the silliest experience you could ever have with a deck of cards it is utterly ridiculous uh so uh, i've um and i've it's, it's, it's enabled me to begin introducing Monty Python to my um, eldest children, who are both uh, nearing 12. Now, I first watched Monty Python when I was 10. Um, the BBC started repeating it in the uh, summer of 1987. Oh, it's probably 11, actually, not 10. Either way, this is a very silly game. No, seriously, though, you should uh, check it out. It is just uh, wonderful fun, and uh, you get to... Uh, the, the rules change. You get the opportunity to do silly things like um, songs or quotes or whatever from the Python oeuvre. So, uh, yeah, if you're a Python fan or you just want a silly game, Monty Python Flux is the game for you. That sounds really good, actually. Um, I, I've looked at the Flux games a few times because the way that you... Is it every single card introduces a new rule or is it like periodic Every hand has the potential of introducing a new rule or a new um, win condition. Yeah. It's utterly right, baffling at first. Fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Christian, this week for you, I have, uh, leading on from what we were just talking about, a mechanical keyboard. No! <laughs> oh, would you believe it? Oh, my God. Um, this is quite an interesting one, though, actually. So uh, this is a, a keyboard I'm, I'm currently reviewing for MakeUseOf.com, but I thought I'd give it a mention now. Uh, it's uh, by the company Drop. I believe they changed their name recently from a larger thing, but they're now just called Drop. They do uh, collaborations with companies um, and release things with their branding on. So this is the Drop Lord of the Rings Black Speech Keyboard. Um, okay. Yeah, and so it comes with all of the sort of Lord of the Rings uh, insignias on it. So on the keyboard itself, it's got the Eye of Sauron. Uh, the escape key is also the Eye of Sauron. The, wow. uh, the, the space bar has like the black speech 
uh, written on it, uh, and all of the keys are uh, are in uh, in Elvish, I think, which is which is Shave really cool. Much. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, as we were just talking about with uh, keys and typing and what have you, the typing experience on this keyboard is is really interesting because they've used their own switches. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna type next to the microphone. Can I do that? Do you think I can do that? Yeah, go on then. So, yeah, yeah. So here we go. So, uh, so you can hear how loud those keys yeah. are. Yeah. So the experience of it though is really nice, uh, and I really like how the keys feel. Uh, it's a very well crafted keyboard. Uh, it's got um, an aluminium shell, I believe. Uh, massive custom design keycap. So one thing I would say about it is that the the backlighting it only comes in one color, which is white, which is fine, but. Because the keys on the on this keyboard are quite tall, they're a custom design. The light doesn't have enough um, area to shine out between the gaps in the keycaps. Okay. So it, at night, um, you know, when you might want to turn your lights down low and just have a bit of a quiet time, you can't actually see the keys very well. Right. And because the keys have Elvish on them rather than you know english letters they have the english letters but very very small in the corner at times i have to like lean right over the keyboard to go oh oh, oh there's the letter h cool <laughs> um but yeah overall it's an interesting bit of kit and um you should look out for my review when it launches uh, next week no number pad on it i notice no no number pad uh it's a compact keyboard it's ter- what's called a, a 10 keyless um, so it's missing the number pad, but it still has all the function keys. You've got your print screen, uh, scroll lock and what have you, and you've still got um, arrow directional keys. Uh, there's also um, the the one ring, which is acts as the function key, <laughs> which is nice. So you press it and it enables the function keys at the top to deliver different functions. So overall, it's pretty good. Um, I'm not 100% if it's worth the... $199 asking price. Not 100% Oof. on that because that is a fair whack of cash. But yeah. um, the the experience so far has been good. Excellent. Well, uh, is that is that live yet or is that going live later in the week? The review is going live later this week, I believe. Okay. Uh, if So if that is published by the time I do the show notes, uh, that will be included. The show notes, in case you're wondering, are a list of links that we prepare and include with every uh, release of the Really Useful Podcast, which you'll find uh, below in your uh, audio player or your podcast player or on the browser if you're uh, currently at makeuseof.com. And it uh, gives you all the context and further detail that you need for everything that we've discussed in the show. You've been listening to the Really Useful Podcast, the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. My name's Christian Corley. He's Gavin Phillips. We'll be back for a new show soon. Until then, it's goodbye from us. (laughs) 